This podcast is sponsored by CarePlus Home Health. You just visited mom and dad, and you noticed that their age might finally be catching up with them. CarePlus is your perfect solution. Headquartered in Montgomery County, CarePlus provides affordable in-home care and nursing services all throughout Maryland and the District of Columbia. CarePlus offers a number of services to support your loved ones, including personal care, companionship, meal preparation, and so much more. They can help with running errands and managing doctor visits. They can take mom to the beauty salon or dad to a movie. And CarePlus specializes in Alzheimer's and dementia care. An experienced CarePlus caregiver is the best way to support mom and dad's needs, leaving your family with peace of mind. Call CarePlus today and tell them you heard about this ad on a minor detail podcast and you will receive a special discount. Call today at 301-740-8870. That's 301-740-8870 and check them out online at carepluscinc.com. Welcome back to a Minor Detail Podcast. My name is Ryan Miner. I am your host. Find me on the web at a aminordetailpodcast.com and aminordetail.com where I cover Maryland news and politics. Today is October the 17th. It is chilly out today and we're here at Rockville at the Lincoln Community Center and my special guest today is Dr. David Miles who is running for Rockville City Council Check him out on the web at davidericmilesmyles.com. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I am excited to interview you. And as I said offline, you're a doctor, so I'm hopefully, hopefully you can provide me some just healthy tips. Now, so I, I wanted to begin to tell you I've, I'm doing the keto diet, and I've been on it for about a month, and I'm down about 15. And I, so far, I like it. You know, you can eat bacon. Yeah. I, I can eat bacon. But you said you're a vegetarian. Yeah. So you're, you're, that's right. So you are running for the Rockville City Council. The election is on November the fifth. This year they've changed it up a little bit. Now they're doing a mail-in election. Yeah, it has really changed the game in terms of trying to figure out how does argument get out there for both events, or it's uh, as opposed to being a weekend, it's a month, and uh, it's also good for weight, weight loss as well. That's. <laughs> Knocking doors, getting out, meeting people, attending different various forums. Um, you just had one at Twinbrook. On, was it on Tuesday? It was. And how'd that go? It was great. I think that it was a, an event hosted by the, the villages um, of Twinbrook, as well as, I believe, in partnership with the Twinbrook Community Association. I think they did a great job. That's an up-and-coming neighborhood. Uh, neighborhood that was constructed actually for World War II returning veterans. Um, provided them a place to you know, set up the baby boom generation. People like my grandfather in Chicago, but uh, here nonetheless uh, did the same. Now it's a place that's very difficult to afford to buy because of all the development. So uh, that said, it's still relatively affordable as is uh, here in Lincoln Park, but uh, we do want to make sure that it continues to be that way. Speaking of veterans, you're a Navy veteran. Are, are you still active? You're not. You're, are you reserves? Inactive rate of reserves. Oh. Unless there's World War Three, I think I'm good. That's right. Um, so I, I'll tell you my brief Navy story. Um, I was an Army guy. Uh-oh. My grandfather's an Army guy. He's he's 94 years old, at World War Two veteran, uh, and from Hagerstown. My grant, my late grandfather on my father's side was career Air Force. So we come from a long line of of mili- of a military family. Uh, I used to work in Rockville for a startup tech company, 
and we sold medical alert equipment for senior citizens. And I worked for two retired rear admirals. So that was fun and very interesting. And as a as as a Navy man yourself, let's let's talk about your background and how you how you got started and your your life up until now. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, David? I remember that time in 2010, and I remember, of course, that was the first time when Nancy Pelosi was uh, was House Speaker. I I just I, I specifically remember the date and and time and what I was. It was a huge moment in this country, and for Barack Obama, the first African American president, to pass such a monumental legislation. And his first two years in office, that was his major policy initiative. Uh, that was remarkable. It was. I mean, I think that, you know, we, we realized then and um, continue to realize to this day it was just a step. Uh, there's much more that sure. to be done to, to make sure that it met everybody's need. But it did a great job in, in part in covering uh, populations of people that hadn't previously gotten covered. Uh, but it's one thing to have insurance. The other thing is to actually be able to use it. I mean, we just had a We still had to come out of pocket three, four thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which is just mind-boggling. So, what do people do? You know, when, when they don't have. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, from there, I, I was even toying around with not even finishing residency, like just you know, hanging out on the hill to advocate on behalf of those. But I'm, I'm glad I was told by people smarter than me to go ahead and finish, mm-hmm. uh, because you know, as things in Washington changed. 2010 was a big change, right? With the Tea Party movement, um, and things were a little different. On So then I got more interested in working locally. So I was living in Baltimore, and I completed my residency from, from 2010 to 2013. I was living in Baltimore, Maryland, and I uh, worked for my one of my uh, house delegates, which was Sean Tran out of the 40th District. Um, she, the former mayor, was actually the senator at the time. Uh, and we were working on a number of things. This was at the time when, in, in the state of Maryland, we helped support this, this alcohol tax. Uh, so a dime for, for 
for alcohol. That, and that money went to the general fund to help defray the cost of providing medical care here in, in Maryland. Uh, I worked at the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. I was just called the Department of Health with uh, former pedi or pediatrician Josh Sauerstein. Uh, it was just cool to be there at that time to figure out how you can work within um, the, the executive branch here in Maryland to, to get things done, like banning bumpers in, in beds, in ladies' beds, for example. Um, and then, uh, what did I do? Yeah, the Navy. <laughs> then the Navy. Yeah. I, got, I, I was interested in joining. In part, I always had a um, desire to, to help. And, I, and I, I, I won't lie in that I was very much influenced by those commercials you used to see on ESPN about the Marines that you proud of. That is cool. I was fortunate to have my uh, undergrad paid for through scholarship, uh, so I didn't have to exercise that route. Uh, but it always been sort of in the back of my mind how to serve and then how to, you know, uh, work with um, populations of people who were in great need. At the time I was applying for residency, the training I completed in Baltimore in 2010, there was a major earthquake in Haiti. Do you know? I, d I do. And um, the government palaces were, were in rubble, as were hospitals. But the Navy sent in this ship, this USNS Comfort, a uh, thousand bed hospital, bigger than most land based hospitals. And I was like, that is cool. That's what I want to do. And I've since trying to figure out how to, to get on that ship, essentially. And then got an opportunity to join the Navy. I was working on a Marine base down at Camp Lejeune, or Lejeune, you know. <laughs> and then there was a deployment. Every two years, they do something called Continuing Promise. It was started under George H.W. Bush who worked with countries in Central and South America and the Caribbean uh, to provide care. So form of diplomacy, soft diplomacy. Uh, it is a model of one way of, of using military to get ends met. Uh, specifically, we were working in 11 countries in Central and South America. This is at the height when Honduras, Guatemala were the burner capitals of the world. We were in Colombia before the FARC treaty had been, been, been brokered. Uh, it was at a time when hope was actually down in, in Cuba. Uh, so it was an amazing time. We were, you know, working with the construction battalions, the so-called CBs, as they were making improvements to people's schools. Uh, we were providing medical care. All the things that, you know, in meeting with people in Guatemala and Honduras, El Salvador, people who are demonized often here in this country, these people don't want to leave. Um, and we, with the Navy, were trying to figure out ways to help them stay where they are. Nobody, you know, so by providing, as, it, as was mentioned, infrastructure, support for their schools, providing medical care. Uh, we were able to do surgeries. It was, a, it was the best use of resources I've ever seen. Uh, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I would have stayed, actually, in the military. Um, I wanted to do something called humanitarian assistance, disaster relief. Because of set frustration at the federal level, they cut funding for that program. So I got out and worked as a civilian. I remember sequestration around 2013. I'm a former Hill alumni, so I, I worked on the Hill. Uh, but it wasn't as contentious when I was there, although I was there in the middle of the 2008 election. So it was fascinating to see. But I've also seen how much the Hill has changed since then. I have friends who still work on the Hill. But it sounds like that your your time spent in the military and, um, and now you're in pediatrics. Uh, let me ask you this question. What led you to want to work with children? Several things. I, when I grew up in Growing up in Chicago, my grandfather and father owned um, apartment buildings, um, and we would I'd spend my weekends not watching cartoons, but running up and downstairs getting the tools. And stuff. My dad asked me, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Do what you do. You're good with your hands. Why not be a surgeon?" No, nobody in my family has been in the medical field, not even nursing for that matter. Um, but it kind of stuck. Um, my uncle was a dentist. I thought I'd be a dentist. Um, 
then I got last time I got to Morehouse, um, medicine seemed all the buzz because I had models, people who looked like me who were doing it. In terms of pediatrics, I thought initially I was going to be an adult cardiologist, um, but my mother was a teacher, and I even in undergrad spent, spent time in her school in Atlanta working with children. And throughout medical school, I probably spent as much time studying as I did out in the community, working with middle school, high school, um, college students, elementary school students. Uh, just, I like mentoring, working with children. And it just, I mean, I taught Sunday school in Connecticut, which I really enjoyed. Um, so I had a fascination working with them. My, my mom's motto is when you get a kid started, you have less likelihood of having to intervene later on. And that sort of um, mother's wit is supported by it. James Heckman, a Nobel laureate in economics, uh, has done a lot of work that shows that you know, early investments in children um, pay huge benefits. And the earlier you, you intervene to set a kid up, uh, the better the outcomes are. So that's, I mean, I just, you know, I've, I've been constantly trying to figure out how to most efficiently use my skill set to improve the lives of human beings. And I think working with children, get them to start off right, is the, the way to get it done. I, th- I think that is honorable and, yeah. Knowing how the pediatric process works, having two young ones, it's, uh, it, you know, having a great doctor who's supportive but honest and straightforward. It seems like that your career has shaped you for a role in in public service. You, you have a tremendous background, and you talk about on your website that your first interface with the city of Rockville resulted from your serving as the homeowners association, the Tower Oaks liaison to the city of Rockville. Let me tell you, my wife said on uh, the, our, the our, our, our former neighborhood's board and of the homeowners, and I have never seen neighbors so ready to fight over the, the, the most, I guess, innocuous, ridiculous, small issues. But I... I th- you've taken a stake already in your community, and you talk about in that position, you informed the fellow homeowners about city matters that were relevant to the association. And you discuss on your website again that you led to a discussion about how other cities are working to improve safety for non-motorized forms of transportation. So, David, what was the moment that you said, I want to run for this office? Describe that Describe that moment and how it led you to to jump into this race. I think it's been a culmination of you know spending time working on the Hill, working in Annapolis, um, being the one to receive the information, you know, working as a legislative liaison or associate, or, um, and certainly formulating my own opinions. But the ultimate decision is made by the representative or the senator or whomever it was, and sometimes. Decisions were made that weren't consistent with what I thought was best. Um, I'd always been trying to figure out, again, the most efficient use of my resources and time. And I knew it pretty fairly early on. It wasn't being a full-time pediatrician, oddly enough. Working in Baltimore, where asthma rates are through the roof. You can treat a kid for asthma and spend a couple hours in the emergency room, but you send them back into a home that may have roaches or may have rats, and we, we're not solving the issue. We're not solving the problem. So how to work more upstream. And being in a position to, to, to make the decision is, is, has always been sort of uh, in the back of my mind, how can I get closer to that? But more specifically in the context of this race, it, it was for selfish reasons. I, I tell people, I'm um, pretty honest, they're the, the same reasons that I moved here. We really like the schools as do most people who move to this area. Uh, 
in, in the discussions to bring development to the Twin Brook region, I was concerned about the process. I, I think the end result of bringing wagons, 1,800 units of housing, which is sorely needed because we have a limited supply of housing, which increases prices, is needed. Uh, but it's the process of it getting done, and specifically when it was mentioned that you know kids going into school and trailers is not that big a deal. If, if it meant that we need to get this project done, it, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. I don't ever think that our kids should be used as bargaining chips. We would never set for, sacrifice the quality of our children's education uh, to, to, to pay bills or to bring development in. So that was that was a uh, that was a moment for me personally. And, and from there, trying to figure out, you know, as they always say, the devil's in the detail. Well, if you want this project, how do you get it done, and how do you do it in a way that is certainly going to provide certainly support and a much um, desired business like Wegmans and all the other restaurants and amenities that come with it to an area that, you know, feels neglected. People east of 355, so I call it the east side. <laughs> but that's, um, that's a sort of grouping Lincoln Park, East Rockville, uh, Twinbrook into one. Often don't feel that they are as represented and get their voices heard and get as much attention, get as much resources as communities west of 355. And so I think that the, the, the positives are good. It's how you implement it. Wow. So I want to talk to you a little bit about policy, but before we jump into that, my understanding is you did your residency as at John Hopkins. At, and uh, this morning the world learned that uh, uh, the, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, Elijah Cummings, died at age 68. And Maryland especially is reeling in shock and sadness this morning. Do you want to comment about that? Yeah, he was actually my congressman. His, um, he had a district office. I was on, uh, he was right on office MLK. I was Mount, Mount uh, Vernon in, in St. Paul. So I literally could walk to his office, met with his staff, met him. Um, he's a champion, a lion. Uh, we'll be sorely missed. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, he's just, just um, it, it's still, I, I heard rumors that he'd been sick, but it never sort of really um, crystallized because I saw him when I see him on Twitter mm-hmm. in the interview. He's kind of strong. So it, I think it's a big shock for, for many. Um, my condolences certainly lost his wife, uh, Mary Rockmore Cummings, uh, his family. Um, everybody knew the guy. He was, he was the man for the times. Uh, he was recently on television, and one familiar clip that is indelibly sketched into my memory is when President Trump's lawyer was brought before Congress, Michael Cohen, at a moment where he knew he was going to jail, and Elijah Cummings looked at him and said, I I know how tough this is, but you're doing the right thing for your country. And he said he saw a photograph of him coming out of, uh, it was, I think, a courthouse, and his family was surrounded him, and he has two children, and it just touched him. And I, I look at Elijah Cummings as someone who transcended that partisan divide and really showed a great deal of humanity and humility. And I think he'll be sorely missed. That's the brand of politics that I think we are all yearning to see return in our country, not this harsh partisan uh, and just, just angry, clenched fished uh, what's happening now in Washington. And that's why I think my attraction to local government, municipal government, it's much different than as Washington, as you can attest to. Even at the state level in Maryland, people get along. They may have policy disagreements and uh, these huge debates on these big issues taking place in 
our states, which are which I think are the laboratory of democracy. But it's it, we're much more kinder and gentler, and we're we're not as just so angry. And I wish that Maryland would. I wish that the national level would take a page out of Maryland, maybe here in Rockville, and we could show them and lead the way. And but I think that's going to take some time. Hmm. It's just um, the people, uh, the, the lack of transit. You know how transit parking yeah. is, depending on the administration. And I think to, to leave the idea that you spoke, to, I didn't know about how much respect uh, Elijah Cummings had across the aisle. He, you know, later came out he was great friends with people who just are ideologically, you know, sure. ideologically very different. Um, and I think it, it is sort of missing. And, and thinking back to just reading history, the, the Senate and the House, where people didn't have the resources to, to go home to their home districts all the time. People had to sit and hang out with each other, which I think led to some of the more uh, camaraderie that manifested in, in how people interacted both in front of the camera and off the camera. And, you know, at the local level, you know, you can tweet something about somebody if you want, but you, you, you might see them at the grocery store. That's right. They're your neighbors. And it's more difficult, I believe, to politically attack your neighbors in public. For some, it might not be an issue, but I, this is a community it's nonpartisan, and I should mention this race is nonpartisan. You're you're running on a set of ideas, and you list those ideas, priorities. You call it your vision on uh, again DavidEricMiles.com/issues, and you talk about being good stewards of city funds. You discuss making continuous improvements to infrastructure. You talk about smart, sustainable, and visually appealing growth in the city and small business growth, all local issues, the nuts and bolts that make up our local municipal government. And it's fun because you really, as a city councilman, jump in and tackle these issues and work directly with the Rockville community to make those happen. So, David, why don't you run down a list of some of the top issues that you think are germane to the discussion now and what you think are some of those big, important policy ideas that you'd like to tackle um, if you are elected to the city council? Sure. I think um, there's certainly things that I think are important to talk to others. Sometimes that matches up, sometimes that doesn't. But if I do have the privilege of being elected to this office, I certainly will raise the issues that are of concern uh, to others as well. Again, I, I, there are three main issues that I, I, I do want to work on. Uh, one is from the school perspective, Ensuring that our schools have the resources they need to educate students, um, you know, having students in actual classrooms, making immediate improvements to some of our elementary schools like Trimble, which have some sort of real big improvements. Um, and that, while is, is not a city function, our schools are managed at the county level, we can have even more just ongoing dialogue with our county council people, county school board, uh, so that we have we get a sense of what their visions and the priorities are for all the schools throughout Montgomery County and making sure we, we're aligning our development here in Rockville to that end. Uh, the, what the city government does have control over is planning, development, zoning. So we can approve a project like Twin Brook Porter coming in. Uh, we cannot necessarily make the schools come in that will support those students. So certainly working more closely with our county partners to, to improve schools is one. Two, uh, improving our ability to, to use non-motorized forms of transit, people who want to walk, ride bicycles, 
people who are differently able and you might have to use wheelchairs. And as a side note, I'm discovering much more about what it means to, to perhaps have to use a, a wheelchair as a way to, when you have a stroller, you know, with kids, <laughs> yeah, that's right. with side, sidewalks, what parts are good to go. There are limitations. Exactly. So making sure that we, uh, improve safety for all forms of traffic throughout the city. Uh, third and final is, is, uh, germane to, to everybody is that's housing affordability. Right. You know, I moved here after getting out the Navy and even as a pediatrician with a VA home, I'm going to go parking in Rockdale. What's, what do you think the average price for a, a single family home here in Rockville is? It depends on where you live. So we're, we're sitting in Lincoln Park and you might get your dollar go a little further. Um, you know, you might find something for three, four hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. That goes up and get the twenty. That's still a lot. Uh, yeah. When you get west of, uh, uh, three fifty five, I mean, it's the building townhouses now are costing five starting in the seven hundred thousand. I, that's on, that's unaffordable to m- most of us. Uh, I grew up in Hagerstown and, I can tell you that 60 miles west of here, it, the housing value is significantly cheaper. I, I, and you get, like you said, you're more for your money. I grew up in Atlanta. So my mom, single mother, worked as a teacher. We had a four-bedroom house mm-hmm. and ground pool. And, I mean, that's that just that's the scale. Yeah. I, to. I mean, it costs a little bit more to live in Chicago, but here it's just off the charts. Um, so you have, you know, working families, young families, veterans, professionals. Seniors who are all struggling to make ends meet. So working people on fixed incomes. Exactly. And you know, speaking of seniors, um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about my podcast sponsor. Uh, we're working with a company. It's called Care Plus Home Health, and they do home care. And I'm sure in your field, you've had you've you you know the home care industry as well. We send Care Plus sends people inside of homes to assist people with. Uh, all kinds of different tasks, uh, from bathing and dressing and grooming, and they help people who have dementia and Alzheimer's, and they help people with Parkinson's, and CarePlus Home Health is located here in Montgomery County. They're online at carepluspinc.com. Check them out, and if you have a aging mom or dad who needs some extra help inside of their home, it's a great company to call, and they'll set you up with a an experienced caregiver. So you mentioned seniors. David, that senior affordability and having, I guess, more activities for seniors in a community, I would think that that would fall under uh, a task that a Rockville City Councilman and the council could tackle. Certainly, council members uh, can tackle that. I think, as an example, my mom uh, would like to live here. My brother lives 15 minutes down the street. He has four children. She comes here about once a month to come hang out. And is your mom still in Atlanta? She is. Okay. She is. Last. Um, and so she can't, she can't physically afford. I would like, I mean, for selfish reasons, we get free child care, but it'd be cool to have, you know, <laughs> her mom around, but uh, it's just not feasible um, if she wanted to live on her own, that is. So I, I think um, some of the programming here is actually outstanding. We certainly could do more to expand the, the amount of programming they have for seniors. The senior center is, a, is a, it's in a old, it's based out of an old elementary school. Um, it's a huge building, too. It is. It has made, made an addition to it. Those services are there, uh, services to help people age safely in their home could be expanded further to provide relief for those who, you know, I've met a number of seniors who are in these huge homes, you know, they could sell them, but what could they buy with that money? That's right. And they can't afford to, to make the necessary up, uh, upgrades to, to make it safe for them to live in. So they're just kind of stuck. Um, 
And seniors are an engaged group. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that having attended forums and knocking door, how many doors have you knocked on? I wanted to ask you. Just under 11,000 miles. <sighs> my. Or just over 10,000 miles. My goodness. You're going to knock as many. I'm sure you come in contact with plenty of senior citizens. What's on their minds? Affordability is huge. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, the school issue resonates hmm. as well with them. Right? Is it property taxes or is it a access to better schools and a better curriculum? Or what's what type of issue is that? Well, they, they, I think seniors are, are much wiser than, than most of us. And they, they realize that when you have good schools, you know, it keeps kids out of trouble, one. Keeps property values up, keeps some of the craziness that you know kids sometimes get into, um, and then oftentimes, despite you know they oftentimes do cite the high tax burden, but invariably they state that while they pay high tax, they see what they shouldn't. They, they don't necessarily mind it, but they do want to make sure we're being smart about how we're spending um, their money. That's a major issue. Is as the, you're a your fiduciary responsibility is to the citizens. You're going to make financial decisions on what plans to support and how to really move the, uh, the Rockville into what you consider the right direction. Now, you're part of a slate, correct? Is that the accurate way to describe that? A committee? But a committee? Okay. Slates uh, are a generally accepted term that most people would understand. And you're the Team Rockville slate. That's correct. And tell me about that. What differs? What is the difference between your your committee versus the, is it Rockville Forward, I believe? Those are the two main things. That mm-hmm. there are, um, what separates you two on the issues? I believe that one of the big issues is where the, where the team has historically stood on the side of housing affordability. Um, team Rockville has been a supporter of making sure that we retain the, the few units of housing that's affordable, this fireside park mm-hmm. development. So what's, what's interesting is brief history. We're sitting in Lincoln Park, which is a place where African-Americans were, one of the few places that African-Americans in Rockville were allowed to live historically. The first building or apartment complex that allowed for uh, non-racialized form of leasing was actually Fireside Park. Mm -hmm. Uh, The county passed the ordinance in 1966 banning housing discrimination. It took until 1975 for Rockville to essentially eliminate all that, and Fireside Parks came as a result. That's it abuts these seven hundred thousand dollar townhomes, which is really cool when I'm walking through the Alvaro Park uh, to, to see that. But this is this is housing that at, at one point there were there were thoughts about developing. Oh, just you know, give it to the developers, make you know even more seven hundred thousand dollar townhomes. But Team Rockville has fought to to keep that affordable uh, and looking for ways to expand uh, not just to centralize housing that's affordable in one place, but look at other places throughout the city. Uh, so that's that's that's. Uh, uh, big difference between the two teams. And the other team is less supportive of housing affordability? Well, I think that the, incum- the incumbents that are on that, on that team haven't been as strong of champions okay. uh, on the issue, particularly as it, as it pertains to Fireside Apartments, which is the, the, the group of apartments that I'm referring to okay. in this instance. And so what are some of the other differences that set you up apart? And I, and I mean that. I mean, not as that you're it's – it's a partisan thing, but rather it's, it's more of an issues-based um, differential between the two committees. And what about on economic growth? That always seems to, to, to draw out um, 
some differences amongst different people um, and how to address zoning, perhaps. I think there are um, a couple more issues. So the one with regard to development, there is a, um, a difference. Again, historically, I'm, I'm new to this. I haven't um, served on city council to this point. Historically, Team Rockville was the first to get out and support the Twin Brook Quarter project. Um, and I think... Tell us about that project. That's the one where the, that's the Wegmans and the 1800 units of mm-hmm. housing that will be coming to the Twin Brook neighborhood. It's actually the reason that motivated me on the, for, for different reasons to get involved. Uh, I think, again, in concept, it was, in principle, it was a great project. Um, all incumbent members end up voting for that, but in terms of getting out in front and supporting that, it'd be Mark Rochelle and uh, among others, Virginia Army voted in, in support of it as well. I think Team Rockville does get the rap of uh, being very pro-development. I think there's ways to do it in, in, in working with our county to make sure we're doing it so that we have the infrastructure to support it. Uh, a correct criticism is that, you know, while it is a lot of development, the impact fees that come as a result of the Twin Brook Quarter Project will pay for half of an elementary school, which... Is that developer impact fees? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. So, that, that's, so I think Team Rockville has been more aggressive on, on that issue. And, I'm not quite as aggressive personally, but I, I do see the need to create housing because without a, a large, with, with, a, with a limited supply of housing, that's why prices go up. So we have to figure out how to, how to address that. The other uh, issue is, you know, how to be um, inclusive to all that, that come to, to Rockville. There's this very controversial, now controversial, or unclear even, this Fostering Community Trust Act, which essentially provides provisions for people regardless of their background, regardless of their immigration status, to be able to be able to, to seek city services, particularly police, if they're in trouble. Um, I liken it to when, if you unfortunately were to come in and have a car accident, your windshield is shattered, maybe somebody didn't have their seatbelt on, I'm not asking you for your insurance card. I'm not asking you for your passport. You're coming to get help. And That's right. To get help. Or if your wife's an active later, I'm not asking if you have insurance. We need to take care. And so similarly, the, the police, um, their primary goal, I mean, they're primary function is to serve the community. And they can only do that if people are willing to come forward. Uh, Team Rockville has been, um, they, su- they support that, and I, I support it, too, for similar reasons. Uh, I think it's, it's got a bad rap because of a lot of demonization of, of immigrant groups, and I, I do want to also point out that people who immigrate tend to commit crimes at a much less rate than, than people who are born here. Which is a 100% accurate fact. Right. I mean, they're not shooting up our schools. They're not shooting up the streets of Baltimore or Chicago. I want to ask your opinion on an issue. Uh, David, I think it was last month um, a a group of people stood before the county council building in downtown Rockville, and it drew out a crowd, and it was many of the president's personal supporters, Michelle Malkin, who's a a conservative columnist, and I I think she writes a blog, as well as um, former White House advisor, Sebastian Gorka, and uh, many people who are involved with the president or allies of the president, they held a a rally in in opposition to illegal immigration. And then another on the opposite side of the street that literally was right down the middle blockaded by police support. They they held, a I guess, a counter-protest or maybe a counter-rally to that was a little bit, obviously, a little bit more welcoming to immigrants. Did, did you make it out to that event? Did you see it? What was your reaction to that? So I did. I work at that. I still work full-time. Okay. Emergency room with Holy Cross um, that day. Um, 
I did not encounter one person who was trying to leave their country. We got training, you know, because some of the people would come onto the ship to, to get surgeries that, you know, if anybody asked for uh, asylum or help, to, we had this whole protocol that we were getting drilled on. It, it never came up because people aren't trying to leave first and foremost. And the more that we can do to help people stay where they are, the, the, that's the, be the best use of our resources. I wish protesters would be, as we try to address those issues, join the military. You know, do some of the work that, that we were doing down there. And then in terms of addressing it, again, I, I put illegal in, in quotation, but when, you, when, when borders of entry, when legal borders of entry are being closed for people who are actually trying to seek asylum, I would suggest that everybody should follow the rules. Everybody should be behaving above the rules. Um, but to answer your question more specifically, it's, it's the same response um, I have about the Foster and Community Trust Act. Ultimately, I, I, I never want anybody to be afraid of their ability to pay a medical bill and not get needed treatment. I would not want anybody who has, you know, witnessed a, a murder or witnessed somebody being raped not to come to police to report it because they fear being reported. And that's what this Foster and Community Trust Bill is about. And that's my understanding. I don't know as much about the county bill, um, but that's 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 where I stand. Earlier, you talked about policing, and you talk on your website, and you list a point that you'd like to build an ongoing effort to have our the Rockville City police officers work with the community in solving public safety challenges so that all Rockville citizens are safe, protected, and treated justly. Uh, you have a new police chief. In fact, the, your police chief now uh, was my hometown police chief in Hagerstown, uh, Victor Brito. H how do you see, how do you view the policing model in Rockville, and what can you do to improve upon that? I've been, uh, I'll answer your question, very impressed by um, Chief Brito. I raised a concern at the, so you worked at Clyde's. Um, I did. The intersection of Power Oaks and Luton. We had two really bad car accidents there. Mm. It's, a, it's an intersection where there have been a lot of car accidents since that, you know, there was a traffic light there. Emailed him, I think it was a Friday night, he replied, and then we met that Monday. This guy who gave me his cell phone number said, if you need anything, let me know. Not only did I meet with him, we met with the traffic person thereafter. And so he's, he's certainly put, set up a model to be very responsive to, to, to citizens' concerns. He's also, um, with the department, going to host uh, or be part of a training to, to work on bias. So all of us, you know, have, have bias. In a former life, I got my master's degree in, in, in psychology, so we have this implicit association test. So, you know, you have these shoot-don't-shoot shoot games, mm -hmm. and if you see a certain face, you know, shoot-don't-shoot. Shoot. Well, what's interesting is that regardless of the ethnicity of the person completing the test, whether it be you or I, we're still going to shoot the black person more. Mm. Even me. <laughs> you know, that, and that's, 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 a, that's a function of, you know, a lot of things in society. So it's, 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 it's how do we recognize our biases and act on them in ways that are more helpful and I, I, I applaud the chief in, in really being trying to get ahead of this. There hasn't been huge issues in, in, in Rockville to that end, but we certainly want to continue to build upon the rapport that's, that's been established to make sure, again, that all citizens, so you have people whose immigration status level, you have people who are who like me, African-American, who historically don't call the police if, 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 if it had to come down to it, um, you know, out of fear that maybe we might be the victim, you know, of, of um, some sort of violence. But, I think he's done a great job in, in trying to, again, build on the successes, uh, being very res responsive to citizens' concerns. And, um, you know, if there is a, an incident that comes up, just, just being, I think that, that, that speaks volumes. So in this very room that we sit, 
we had the Lincoln Park Civic Association meeting this past Saturday. And it's either him or his deputy, always it's him, to hear what, what, what the concerns are of this community that's trying to bring out. What are some of the concerns of the, in this particular community here in Lincoln Park, predominantly African American? Are they concerned that their voices aren't being heard in the, in the current policing model, or do they simply want to make some adjustments or improvements? What's your take? Well, it's interesting. It was actually relatively boring. Okay. That's a good thing. I'm saying it with a smile on my face. Having a boring meeting sometimes is perfect. It was, it, was, it was like concerns that are no different from people in the west side of the city. It's speeding. So the, the street you, you drove up north corner, it's kind of like a drag race. My church is right there, and you'd be surprised when people trying to walk Church ladies trying to walk across streets and people. Sure. So it's how do we improve the, the, the or how do we reduce speeding? We have a lot of Amazon delivery trucks coming mm-hmm. down this street. So these are it's, it's 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 I say it's boring because it's that's how it should be. These are these are the concerns that we, we should be raising. It's it's great that we don't have to uh, worry as much about you know shooting. There is, for example, problems with um, so one issue that was brought up was people smoking marijuana in the, the park. So I I walk my daughter around that park. Have you witnessed that? Yeah, I have. Okay. And, you know, the, the deputy chief was, you know, rightfully, you know, it's hard because, you know, in some instances, there's a, um, there's less of a need to, there's a less of an emphasis on making those people go to, you know, jail and seeing those as serious crimes, but how do you reduce its exposure to others in places like parks where no smoking of any form should be going on, cigarettes, uh, marijuana, or otherwise. So just quality of life issues, you know, music being played too loud. Uh, what else was brought up? This is the nuts and bolts. This is why I love local government, and I think it's the opposite. of it, it, People are concerned about speeding. They're concerned about you know, these public safety issues. They're concerned about nuisances that uh, that infect their communities. But I, that's why I think the the local level having the most direct contact with your neighbor who sits on the council and someone can come up to you and say, Hey, David, listen, I know this, I think council meetings are Monday nights, correct? At Monday night. Hey, David, take the, take this issue to the council on Monday night and talk this out and, and then bring it to your friends on the council. (laughs) They might make the pod. They could make the podcast, exactly. but these are these are the issues I like. So, um, a, a couple more issues I, I want to talk about before we conclude: the economic development and a little bit about Rockville Town Center. Do you see the town center as the economic core of the city of Rockville, or the driver, or are you looking at other areas? Well, I think that there it certainly is very important. Um, city Hall is nearby. Uh, our police station. There are other places. There, there, there are. There is industry throughout the city, um, but that's that. Even if I wouldn't even just call it symbolic. I mean, it, it, it has to survive. Like if that falls, then you know it, it's a lot of what makes Rockville what it is would fall as well. Uh, in terms of the way forward, there, I think it's a matter of recognizing what our changing demographics look like, um, and I, I mean that primarily because of the influx of people like me, people with young kids, young families coming in, who I'd like to eat at some of the restaurants there in town square. But, you know, we have a 15-month-old. We're trying to save up for college. I can't afford that. I mean, we eat at the ice cream shops, mm-hmm. which we can't afford. <laughs> um, but having more sort of restaurants, businesses that support, you know, people at all stages of life. I think I'm not 
shown in the high-end restaurants, which are great. I think we could just have a mix. And then some of the other things. I, I, I gave a story about, uh, and it's true, that my wife passed over two jobs um, in part because of child care issues. Uh, That's tough. Yeah, and so what if, one, is that, as you probably already know, child care is super expensive in this area and hard yeah. to find with long waiting lists. Yeah, very much what so. If, one of the things we have there is a child care center. So you know, my wife would drive, drop my daughter off, park at our garage, which is in sore need of, of financial funding. So you have a lot of people parking their cars, drop their kids off, takes the train to D.C., comes back, picks up my daughter. Oh, she forgot to, you know, grab some milk. There's a grocery store right there. So she patronizes the grocery store on her way home. And that's, you know, that's one of the ways that we can help um, bring even more vitality, bring more business to the area. I think that we also know that while businesses only occupy 16% of the land here in, in Rockland Lake, generate 31% of our tax revenue. We have you know, 60, 70,000 people who live there, but 80 to 90,000 people who work in Rockville. So there is potential to develop it. We just have to support those ideas that work, keeping in mind who our citizens are, who, who are going to come out, who has disposable right. incomes as well. Is there a certain industry that you'd like to look to attract to bring into to the city of Rockville or a certain business structure or um, a, a group of businesses and uh, that you'd like to see located? Of course, every city wants to bring in commerce. So what, what, are, you, what are your thoughts? Certainly, I, I, think, um, I, I think I look at two ends of the spectrum. What is it that's going to attract our seniors who mm-hmm. really want Town Fair uh, Square to su- survive as well? You know, some of the, their concerns have to do about mobility issues. So the cobblestone streets look great, but they're, they're, they're a little rough on walls. Sure. <laughs> and so how do we how do we make them uh, feel comfortable? And a number of seniors don't like parking in garages. Right. Um, and so how do we how do we address that issue um, and then have things that they like? Actually, I was told about one of the best events in town, the best free event is uh, Salsa in the Square. Yeah. By a senior. Yeah. Like, I didn't know about that. So we actually <laughs> went out and had a great time. Uh, and then also uh, the other bring business in that, that caters to the other group. So there's been a lot of discussion about bringing a, a children's museum here, yeah. which would be great. Um, I, I, I certainly want to make it a, a more business-friendly environment, but not just a, a car garage. So in another life, I'm, we, as, as with the American Academy of Pediatrics, we sued uh, the FDA to help to make them regulate electronic cigarettes because we saw that, that that just didn't look. This was over a year ago before all this stuff came out. Do you agree with the county? of their their policy proposal, um, specifically Gabe Albernaz, the uh, county councilman who proposed that schools, uh, that vape shops should not be within a half mile of public schools, actually all schools. So I think like most policies, be it affordable care, I think it's a step in the right direction. As he appropriately pointed out, it doesn't get at online commerce. That's right. They can still order on Amazon. You know, I, I think, uh, I, I, I would not want a liquor shop next to a school. I would not okay. want a vape shop next to a school. So I, I would support so similarly, I, I, I provide this, right? I don't want to give carte blanche to like any business to come in, but I do want to make sure that we are being uh, mindful of the constraints. So why aren't the small business consulting business out of the house? Making it easier for folks to do business here. I think the city managers really try to do a lot to impress upon city staff that, you know, who are in the permitting process, of the, in the permitting um, section of, of the city government, we, that they're here to help businesses, not to be impediment and this is not any indictment on city staff it's just a reframing of the mindset um, uh, and so and, and in so doing to, to bring needed business here and make it easier for them to do so as a city councilman how would you see your partnership with county government i think we should give 
FDR, the, the county seat, they occupy a lot of space. They do. In, in Rockville. In Rockville, exactly. I think that we should work even closer to make sure that uh, we're aligning our long-term development goals, bringing business here like Wegmans, with the infrastructure, not just schools, but the roads, water, sewers that's necessary to support it. I think we should um, just, just very, very much work more collaboratively. I met with uh, several um, uh, county council members so far, and I'm just keeps trying to keep the dialogue going, and I hope that if I am fortunate enough to be elected, that that will be a more ongoing thing. The prospectively, not just putting out fires, but just let's sit down, let's, let's hash out what, what, what is the county goals for Rockville, and then match it with what we have here as well. Finally, make your final pitch to the voters. The election is coming up on November the 5th. One question for you before you do your final pitch. When do voters need to have their ballots in by, mailed in by, if they are using that, that function of this, this election? They need to have them Q3 all by November 5th. Uh, the, the safest way to ensure that it arrives on time is actually to drop it off there at the ballot box outside at 24 hours and under cam- uh, camera uh, monitoring. Mm-hmm. You can bring it into City Hall, into a secure drop box. You can actually bring your ballot in and vote in, in City Hall as well for those people who really don't like the mm-hmm. process of voting. And I've heard a fair amount of those, but make sure it's here. I, you can still mail it. Um, I would imagine given it two, three days. If, if it's getting by November 1st, November 2nd, again, I would strongly encourage people to just drop them off in person. Moving forward, we have to address you know, the whole notion of a postmark versus after date, but for the purposes of the election this November 5th, 2019, people should have their ballots to City Hall by November 5th. Okay. And so voters are listening. They're saying, man, uh, there's, there's what, 13 of you all that are running. And what's going to be the hook to draw them in to say, all right, David Miles is my guy? Well, there have been some personal motivations to make me want to jump in. I have a life of uh, both professionally and personally of, of service. And my goal is to create a Rockville that works for everybody, the seniors and the students, the cyclists and those who choose to drive, the long-time residents and our new neighbors. And I'd like to work with our voters to that end. That's why I think uh, I would be a, a great fit to represent them on Rockville's city council. Dr. David Miles running for the Rockville City Council. His website is davidericmiles.com. He has a bio issues, and he talks about um, all about him there. And you can, and as I always say, it's great that, that candidates have donate buttons, so you can send him money as well, and you can volunteer. And I'm sure you're going to be out and about in the community over the next couple of weeks as you go into the final stretch of the of the campaign and you'll be out knocking doors and you might see David coming to your own front door. So be prepared. That's right. I might be, be heading from here to walk to my, to begin canvassing as we speak. Well, David, thank you so much for your time today and best of luck to you in this election. Thank you for what you do to support the branch of government. Thank you. Thank you for listening to a Minor Detail podcast. Remember to call Care Plus Home Health today at 301 740 8870 and discover how they can help mom and dad or an aging family member live safer and healthy inside of their home.